0: Hey, it's the Keep to the City podcast, and uh, joining me today is WFAN host and CBS Sports radio host and uh, Yankees and Dolphins fan, John Dostremski. John, how's it going today?
1: Good to hear from you, Neil. It's been a while, buddy. Happy we were uh, beyond once again, breaking down all the latest of my uh, team's sorrows, I guess you could say. It's been, uh, I think, a rough couple of weeks for us both here, bro.
0: It has been rough, and it started, I think, the last time I saw you was in, in the right field bleachers, the... Uh, Second-to-last home game for the Yankees this season. Their season uh, came to an end that night, and uh, we didn't get to see Mariano. You got to see him the following night. I didn't go that night, but it's really been downhill for, for New York sports since then, and, and not even New York sports, but your Dolphins included. Um, I guess we'll start with the Yankees and uh, what it's been like these last three, last three or so weeks without baseball here on the Eve of the World Series. How depressing has it been for you to not be able to watch a team that you care about?
1: Yeah, it's certainly a different vibe. I mean, you get used to having postseason baseball in New York. It's become an institution. And even though I would say more often than not over the last, I guess, 12 years or so, the Yankees have had some bitter, I mean, bitter postseason defeat. You still would take having Nick Swisher misplay a ball in right field <laughs> if you know you're going to be there and you know you're going to be watching October baseball. And, yeah, it's been odd to say the least, but... I don't know about you, Neil. I kind of knew, I think I would say, right around when the Yankees lost, I think it was two out of three, and then they got by the Toronto Blue Jays, and then they got swept by the Red Sox. I mean, after that series or that grouping of series, if you will, I just knew that this Yankee team was not making the playoffs. I don't know if you reached the point in the season where you said to yourself, this is just not happening. But that sweep at Fenway Park, not even the three out of four, even though that was a crushing blow at Yankee Stadium. I was there for that Saturday debacle. But you just didn't have the feel that it was going to be postseason baseball, even though the Yankees were in the thick of things in September. And that's why, even when I saw you at of Yankee Stadium, I feel like, what was it, two days before the uh, last home game when Mariano had the great celebration and this and that? I mean, you knew at that point Yankees are not playing postseason baseball. But, yeah, it's certainly been a difficult transition, to say the least.
0: I think going back to 08 with the last time they didn't make it, you always felt all along, you know, you tried to push reality aside, always thinking, you know, there'll be more games, they'll still come back, but then, you know, the calendar winds down, you get closer to game 162 and they just run out of days, and That sort of happened this year, but going back to early July, I remember I wrote, I called it the Final 14, and it was the 14-game stretch before the All-Star break that I thought they had to do well in. Uh, They did well against the Twins. They had those epic comebacks that weekend against the Orioles. Um, They sort of had a little letdown there, and then after the break, they go to Fenway, and they have a chance to get right back in things, and they don't do well there. They go you know, out to the West Coast, they, they, they split with the Dodgers, they get embarrassed by the Padres, they get swept by the White Sox. And it was after that White Sox series, that was the point for me when I knew it was over because they just couldn't score runs, even though they were starting to get healthy at the time, and even though they'd go on to score runs after that, and they'd go on that little spurt against the Tigers and the Angels. Uh, it, to me, it just seemed like at that point, they were scoring runs when, and then they weren't pitching. And when they were pitching before, they weren't scoring runs. And nothing seemed to add up for them at all this summer.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. And that was really the case for the Yankees when you think about it, bro. I mean, through the first couple of months of the year, the starting pitching in the bullpen was top notch and the lineup was just an outright disaster with all the injuries and I mean we had to watch Brett Littlebridge, Luis Cruz and the likes go out there and play third base, which was painful to watch to say the least. But it's funny. In August when they made the move for Soriano, when Aaron comes back, Yankee would have had a bit different feel to it. You throw Grandison into the fold as well, and then the starting pitching just really fell apart. I mean, every which way. Corotta wore down. Sabathia was a disaster this year. I mean, thank God we're not going to have to see Phil Hughes in a Yankee uniform ever again. I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about a guy who was just awful. I mean, anytime time you went to a game and you knew Phil Hughes was pitching, I mean, you almost wanted a refund right away. It's like, why do I even have to go in and watch this garbage? But... I mean, when Andy Pettit at 40, 41 years of age is your best starting pitcher in the month of September, I mean, that's when you know the Yankees are in in big trouble and they're not going to find a way to make the postseason.
0: But for as much, you know, hardship as they give us now that it's October and baseball is still going on without them and the Red Sox are in the World Series again, which is, you know, as terrible as can be, and we'll get to that, It goes back to the the two wild-card spots, the five-team, the one-game playoff, the thing that I hated so badly when it was created. You told me that I'd come around on if the Yankees ever needed it. And I still can't say that i have really come around on the idea. Obviously I enjoyed it this year because it gave us hope a lot longer than we would have
1: had otherwise. Oh, but, but you kidding me? We wouldn't have been watching games. Neil it would <laughs> have been over in the end of July. But
0: but you but what I do like about it, which I didn't really realize before, is that even for as bad as this Yankee team was and they won eighty five games, which compared to other teams, you know, who go years. Look at the Pirates, they go two decades without winning that many games. Um for as bad as this Yankee team was, for as many injuries as they had, it reassures you that no matter what, this team's going to be in it, whether it's for the division, whether it's for the one-game playoff, they're always going to be in it, and I-, I think that's reassuring just that notion of it.
1: You hope so. I mean, we don't know what the future of the organization really entails here over the next couple of years, how much they're going to spend. You hear mixed reviews that are going to stay on the 189, how Steinbrenner was on record, I think, a couple of weeks ago on with Francesca where he said, well, we are not going to compromise the idea of a championship team, and putting a number on the certain amount of payroll would certainly do that, especially if you're not going to get the money back from Alex Rodriguez. And I would hope so, Neil. I mean, I'll be the first to admit, you know, growing up as a Yankee fan, as did you in the early to mid-1990s, we are very spoiled. And I'm not going to be afraid to admit it. I'm not going to be afraid to say it. I'm annoyed if the Yankees are not in a close season. It is a downright disaster when you sit here in October when a team's spending $200 million, and you'll know where to be found come playoff time, and that's why, listen, I know that the farm system is in absolute shambles, and I know that the Yankees have to, quote-unquote, retool their core. I don't think there's any question about it, but, I mean, you look at the team that's playing in the World Series, the Boston Red Sox, I mean, they couldn't have been more of a joke last year with Valentine who was in 90-plus games. They had swept that last to at Yankee Stadium where they were just downright like a triple A team for that matter. And here we are, what, less than a year or almost a year later, and the Red Sox are four wins away from winning a World Series championship because they went out there and they made a couple of moves, they got a couple of guys back and here we are, we're singing a much different tune about the Red Sox. So certainly can be done.
0: Well, you mentioned how it's a downright disaster and I, I have to agree with you and spending the two hundred million, even with the the aging players and the guys that go down with injury and it sorta of started you know, when you knew Jeter was sort of hurting in spring training, when Gray Anderson went down in the first at-bat of spring training or the first game, and uh, to me, you know, I, I've sort of said that for this Yankee team to go as far as they did, what, game 158 before they finally got eliminated, um, it was sort of a surprise because many people... You know, wrote them off two months prior to that. Some before the season even started. So for you, was this season? You know, do you give the excuse that the injuries were there, even though the 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 guys who filled in didn't do you know did an okay job? But it was the guys that filled in for the fill-ins that couldn't get the job done. Do you give them a free pass?
1: It's tough because certainly you look at the injuries to share Jeter not having a rod for what almost ha uh, at least half year, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, Euclid goes down. Uh Cerveli, believe it or not, goes down. I mean, the Yankees had so many injuries this year that, yes, if the team was healthy, would they have probably made the postseason? Yes. But do I think the Yankees would be sitting here in the month of October as a quote-unquote championship team? No, probably not, Neil. So I think part of it certainly has to look at the injury situation and realize that, yes, the Yankees, If everybody was healthy on this team, they would have been in the postseason. But considering the age on the team, considering the amount of questions you have moving forward, if the Yankees want to get back to a championship level, and you and me both know that is the standard for the Yankees that always should be the standard for the Yankees, they're going to have to make a lot of noise here in the offseason, and they're going to have to really do it in a hurry because you don't have these ready-made prospects coming through the pipeline. I mean, Who's coming up to this Yankee minor league system? I mean, if there were players down in the minor league system, Neil, you would think they would have been up here when they are running out stiffs like Brett Littlebridge. I mean, you would think if they had somebody of value down at double or triple A, they'd be up here.
0: Well, if they're going to have to make noise in the offseason, it's going to start with guys on, you know, who they're looking at to re-sign anyway, and we'll start with Craters Granderson. Do you think he'll be back with the Yankees, or do you think he's going to walk and get a longer, bigger deal somewhere else?
1: an interesting question. I, for one, would look at the guy who is playing right field for the St. Louis Cardinals, who has always made it very clear, going back to 2011 when I was on record bringing Mr. Beltran in, or you go back to when he signed his big deal with the Mets. He went to the Yankees and said, oh, I had this offer from the Mets. I would really like if you guys matched it Or for the Yankees, but Yankees paid so much money for A-Rod. Sheffield, just brought in Randy Johnson. They weren't interested in Carlos Beltran. But, I mean, to me, Granderson strikes out too much. Yes, he has the home run swing. I bring him back at the right price. Now, don't get me wrong, but to me, Beltran's a much better option. Switch hitter. can DH a little bit. He's going to give you a better performance in the outfield. He can give you such a good performance in the outfield. Play a variety of different positions. To me, Beltran, in a lineup that's very left-handed and top-heavy, he can be a great fitted switch hitter.
0: And the other guy to go along with Beltran, who I was going to allude to after you mentioned Granderson, is is Brian McCann, who seems like the perfect fit at the right time. Um, things couldn't have aligned better for him than to hit the market here with the Yankees of all teams needing a catcher and needing one desperately after the disaster we saw from everyone that went behind the plate this season. Do, they, do the Yankees just you know hand over seventy five plus million dollars to Brian McCann?
1: I mean, it's going to be a tough call as far as the money goes for McCann because you got to remember, what is he, 30, 31 years of age, you give him a four- or five-year deal, you have to assume come here, four, year five, that he may not be catching, that you may have to move him to DH, so then you have another long-term albatross of a contract on your hand. But to me, the Yankees, like you said, their catching position last year was as bad as I ever could remember it. And they dropped the ball by either not bringing back Russell Martin or bringing in A.J. Pierzynski, a guy who I thought would have been a nice fit for the Yankee team. So you're sitting there and you're looking at this Yankee catching position with Stewart and Roman, where it's just nauseating to say the least. And <laughs> I look at Yankee Stadium, McCann could go out there, hit you 20 or 25 bombs, hit you 280, be a nice stabilizing force in the middle of the order. I think it's a no-brainer if you could get them for 15 million a year over four or five years. I'd make that deal in a heartbeat if I'm the New York Yankees.
0: As the rotation comes, Corotta's... Is- you know, he's most likely gone if, if probably to back to Japan. Andy Pettit retired. Phil Hughes, the qualifying order for I saw would be fourteen point one million dollars, which the Yankees just can't even attempt to do that because he'll probably take it at this point with a five and thirteen record and five nineteen ERA. So the rotation right now you got C Sabathia coming off the worst season of his career and Yvonne Nova who became the team's ace um, after getting demoted to AAA earlier this season. So you've got 40% of your rotation with guys like Vidal Nuno, uh, David Phelps uh, has a chance there. So what's going to happen with, with this rotation? Tim Lindsay comes off the market. He signs two years, $35 million with the Giants. Matt Garza is still out there, and there's a few other names uh, you could probably mix and match to, to get it together. But what's going to happen with the three remaining spots?
1: It's a great question. And the Yankees are really in a tough predicament because when you want to talk about starting pitching, the way you want to do it is develop your own guys. I mean, look at the St. Louis Cardinals as a perfect example because when you sign free agent pitchers, number one, you're overpaying, and number two is you're not getting them at the quote-unquote peak of their careers. You're just not going to do it. So, I mean, you look at the Yankee rotation. The bat is going to be there, and you don't know exactly what he's going to give you. Nova, yes, he was very good second half of the year, but are we going to be getting Yvonne Nova from – 2012, or are we going to be getting the Avon from 2011, second half, and last year in the second half? You're getting that guy, then you're in pretty good shape. If you're getting somebody who's going to pitch to the tune of a five-year race, then the Yankees are in some trouble. I don't have an issue with Phelps being a fifth starter or a new no, or somebody to that extent. I could live with that. But that pretty much means, Neil, the Yankees are going to have to go out there and bring in minimum one really solid pitcher, and it may be a guy that they take a flyer on and go from there. You look at the pitchers. You mentioned the Yankees, I didn't think that was going to be a good fit. Him coming to the American League, walks way too many guys, not the pitcher that he was. The best option I see out there, and there's really not a great free agent pitcher on the market. There's no Kershaw. There's no Keith Steelers. There's nobody out of stuff. But Mark Garza is the guy who pitched in the American League East. He's had success in the American League East. He's a gamer. He pitched well against the Red Sox, won the LCS MVP, the Tampa Bay going back to 08. Not great. He's a solid pitcher. He's one of those guys who can anchor your rotation. When I signed Matt Garza to a four or five year deal, I think the Yankees really have no choice if they want to contend in the here or now. Now, you're going to hear things about maybe some of the Japanese pitchers. I'm not going to sit here and give you a detailed scouting report, but I'll say this, Neil. After watching Tweed and watching Darvish and watching a lot of these other guys, I'll be the first to admit I didn't want the Yankees on you, Darvish. I didn't, and I was dead wrong. But the Yankees, in addition to developing their mono league system, They've got to be scouring the international market. If there's going to be another Puig, if there's going to be another Darvish, I mean, they can't be sitting on the hands. They got to be involved.
0: Well, I can't blame you for the Darvish because when you look back to what Dice K turned into, what Kiyagawa turned into, what Arabu was, what, um, you know, most of these guys or the bigger name ones don't end up panning out because they're the ones that you hear about the most. They're the ones that get all the money. But Darvish was just as big as as Matsuzaka was coming here to that point. You Darvish was the next big thing, and he actually turned out to be it.
1: Yeah, Darvish, listen, I mean, you look at what he's done over the last two years. He's been terrific to the Texas Rangers. I mean, you look at the amount of guys he's striking out. He is not nearly the um, whip disaster that Dice K. has been over his career with the Red Sox, I and mean, especially with the Indians and the Mets. And, I mean, look, Darvish, I think, is going to be a guy you look to for Texas, who is an is to at the So, I mean, if I'm the Yankees, am I scouring Japanese markets? Am I scouring Cuba? You, you have to. Because if you can find those sort of impact players, I mean, it can do wonders for your team. I mean, look at what Tweak was able to do for the Dodgers. I mean, he really transformed their entire season. They were dead and buried. They were 10 games on the 500. They call him up. He really got things going in addition with Hanley Ramirez there.
0: Well... To wrap up the Yankees portion of this, like you said, you know, this team, if they were healthy, they would have made the playoffs. I think it's just as simple as that. If they had their full lineup in and they weren't relying on Lyle Overbay as their main power threat for, you know, a third of the season, they would have won five or six more games and gotten at least into that one-game playoff, if not have done a better job against the Red Sox earlier in the season and and fought them harder for the division. But an 85-win team coming off this season with this bad of a lineup for that long of time where you're seeing Ichiro hit in the middle of the order. Vernon Wells hitting fourth and fifth uh, frequently. Um, you know, you just have to think that when you with this second wild card, which I was so against, um, and it's hard for me now to flip-flop and say that I am for it, but... With what the Red Sox have done in the last year, it just goes to show you that things can change Things can change in a hurry, especially if the Dodgers you know, bail you out like they did with them. But uh, with this second wild card, the Yankees, I, I think, will be right back in the mix next season.
1: I agree. And it's going to be an interesting offseason. I mean, we didn't even mention Robinson Cano, and I think we're both under the assumption that he will be back with the New York Yankees for big-time money. I think when it's all said and done, The Yankees just can't afford to lose somebody who's going to go out there and hit 330 home runs and 100-plus RBIs at second base. I mean, they just can't afford to lose that. That's just all there is to it. And I think Cano is going to be back on this team. But all in all, the Yankees have got to be willing to open up the pocketbook if they want to really commit to being a team that is back in the thick of things next year as far as being a legitimate championship contender. And I think we both hope that's the case. They better go out there and spend some money because it's really simple as that because they don't have the help coming through the pipeline. I mean, unless you're of the belief that uh, Michael Pineda and uh, Manny ben are all of a sudden going to turn into uh, Bob Gibson and Sandy Colfax. <laughs> if that's the case, then listen, Neil. I will call you Nostradamus and we'll leave it at that. But bottom line, they want to get better. Spend some money.
0: Well, to keep uh, the spirit with this uplifting podcast of positivity, we'll turn to the World Series where the uh, the Red Sox are back in the World Series, and uh, they haven't lost the World Series game in a long, long time, and I was in college in Boston for their both their World Series wins to watch them go 8-0 against the Cardinals and the Rockies. Now, hopefully that doesn't happen this time, but the way things are going here... Um, e- I don't know. I just have a terrible feeling about this, and it's not really as depressing as it was in '04, sir, and and even '07 has sort of fainted a little bit because of the what happened in '04, especially to the Yankees. Uh, what's your feelings going into this series? Are, are you nervous about the Red Sox possibly winning a third World Series since '04, and do you have faith here in Wainwright, Waka, in the Cardinals' rotation?
1: I think it's a really evenly matched series. I mean, anyway you slice it, dice it. I would tell you the Cardinals have the better starting rotation. I mean, Wainwright has been downright filthy. Walker, I mean, you can't say enough good things about that kid. I mean, he pitches brilliantly, down two games to one against the Pirates in a game that Cardinals had to have. I mean, a kid through a gem. He was the LCS MVP against the Los Angeles Dodgers game two beating Clayton Kershaw two times. I mean, who saw that coming? So I give the Cardinals the edge with the starting rotation. I think the bullpens are just about even. We hard, been unbelievable for the Red Sox. But don't underestimate this Trevor Rosenthal here for the St. Uh, Louis Cardinals. The guy throws absolute smoke. He's been money in the bank here in the postseason. I would give the Boston Red Sox here a bit of an edge with their starting lineup. I mean, we've seen what the Red Sox have been able to do offensively all season long. They've found ways to win games. I mean, whether it's Napoli or Victorino or uh, Big Poppy, Pedroia, Eldberry, on and on we go here. They've had a lot of contributors throughout the course of this year, and I certainly think that they have a better lineup than the Cardinals. And the way I see it, Neil, I think this is a long series. I'd be shocked if we're not looking at baseball come next Wednesday and Thursday at Fenway Park, which would be game six and game seven. I know you mentioned Red Sox have won, what, eight straight World Series games. I guess it comes down to the simple fact. Do you like the starting pitching of the Cardinals more, or do you favor the lineup and the mojo of the Boston Red Sox? It's a very tough call, very difficult series to forecast. I'm going to say the Cardinals win it in six games just because they have found ways to do it over the last couple years. But, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Red Sox are a slight favorite, according to Vegas. This is a series I could see going either way. I think the Cardinals better win it at six though. I do not see the Cardinals <laughs> under any circumstances winning a seven K in stellar park.
0: when you do your show on the fan now, do you I mean, are you talking about series? Are people calling you? Are the Red Sox fans calling you about this? Do you have to break it down is-
1: Um, I mean it is what it is. I'm gonna be honest, you mentioned all four obviously bothered me much more. Even though it was seven, because the Yankees won a playoffs and I felt like the Yankees could have been there and they could have been the team. But I don't know what it is, and uh, the Red Sox. I, I, I can do without the beards and all this nonsense and this and that. But I mean, do I hate this group of Red Sox the way I hated the old four team? The answer to that question is no. Maybe, maybe I'm jaded over them winning two championships where it doesn't nearly bother me as much. if that makes sense? But I mean, I'm not sitting there waving the Red Sox pom poms or people interested in the postseason. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I think the postseason this year, you know, I know the Yankees haven't been in it been pretty entertaining. I mean you've had some good series. I was into the Dodger Cardinals. I was into the Red Sox and the Tigers. Tigers age was good. I mean, I've been into the postseason all in all. I mean it's not the same obviously not having the Yankees involved, but I mean has this been an entertaining postseason? Yeah, certainly.
0: And uh and lastly here, you know, we've we've done such positive things. We talk about the Yankees missing the playoffs, the Red Sox in the Road Series and uh now you got the New York Football Giants one and six. The Jets are you know flying high at four and three, and the Dolphins are, are riding a losing streak. So both our teams are doing terrible. And there's Rex Ryan and the Jets at four and three, sort of becoming the uh, face of New York football again for the first time in three seasons. We'll start with the Giants and uh, Antro Roll again today, obviously saying they have to win out to make the playoffs, which would now entail a 9-0 finish to the season against a pretty tough schedule. You'd figure that some of their easy games were already out of the way, but they've got a tough finish to the end of the season. What's best-case scenario here for the Giants?
1: Respectability. <laughs> I mean, I look at the Giants and say to myself, wow, this team is going to make a second-half push and make things interesting in the NFC East, I don't. And, I didn't come away from the game on Monday night overly impressed with the Giants in any way, shape, or form. I just came away that disgusted with how pathetic the Minnesota Vikings are with Freeman throwing a record amount of incomplete passes. I don't understand how you don't give the ball to the best running back on the planet, Adrian Peterson, how he was really a major non-factor in the game. And listen, you want to tell me the Giants defense played well? Great. I feel like we could have put a lineup out there against Minnesota and made some plays and made some stops. Now, Giants want to show me that they are going to make this interesting, that they're going to maybe make a push to get back to, I don't know, three and six, four and six, where you're watching the games of late November with a little bit of hope. Go out there and beat the Philadelphia Eagles here on Sunday. I mean, Philadelphia doesn't have a great defense. Michael Vick's coming back from an injury. You want to show me you're legit? You want to show me you're going to have a season here? Go out there and beat the Eagles. Do I think they're going to beat the Eagles? No, I don't. Do I think that the Giants <laughs> are going to be looking at a season where they have seven, eight wins and – They give you a reason for optimism in December. I don't, Neil, because I don't think they get into the quarterback. I still think their offense is a mess. I mean, you're going to tell me you're all buying in on Tate Hillis and Cox running the football. I don't buy that in the least bit. And let's be fair. As great as Eli Manning has been for the Giants over his tenure, he's been awful this year. I mean, you know what? Enough is enough. I mean, you could blame every excuse on the planet, every excuse you want to throw my way. Eli Manning's played lousy football for the Giants this year. He did not play particularly well last night. I didn't sit there or coming away saying, wow, Eli had a great game. Eli's on his way back. And I know certainly a lot of things are working against him. But all in all here, you mentioned the schedule. I look at what the Giants have done as a whole. I think they're looking at like a 5-11, and 6-10 type year. And they're 1-6. So can the Giants go out there? What do they have? So they're 1-6, six, eight, seven. 7 They have nine games left. Could the Giants go 5-4 and four in their next nine games? That I can buy. Are you going to sit here and tell me, though, that the Giants, with nine games to go, are going to go 7-2 or 8-1? I mean, I don't know what planet you're living on if you're Antro Rol, if you're going to try and sit there and tell me that.
0: <laughs> well, well, with the Giants comes the question now if they continue to flounder, if they don't do Antro Roll's prediction of Hakeem Nix, who's a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, trade rumors are already swirling, or at least being created rumors because people have nothing else to talk about with a team that was 0-6 heading into last night. After, uh, you know, when we're talking football here in December, is the team still going to be on the Giants? It's
1: a great question. I don't think they will trade Knicks in the middle of the season. However, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, and I've always been of the belief going back a couple years ago that Knicks was a pivotal part to the Giants. I mean, he played so well in the playoffs a couple years ago. But when I look at this giant team, they have so many needs. They have so many holes. They're not going to have a lot of salary cap flexibility. Are you going to be willing to go out there and pay Hakeem Nix big-time money at the wide receiver position? I don't know if I'd be willing to do so because, yes, he's been a good giant over the years, but you've got to address your offensive line. You've got to readdress your pass rush, your pass rush. I mean, the giant pass rush has been nowhere to be found this year, and then maybe improve other aspects of your defense. Maybe go out there and try and find another running back. So you look at all the holes the Giants have on this team. They still have Victor Cruz, and they still have Ruben Randall. I, for one, if I were running the Giants, would not be willing to give Akeem Nix that big-time contract offer. I just don't believe they will trade him coming up within the next couple weeks because it will signal to the team that they have essentially quit on the year. And I don't think that that is the message Rees, Coughlin, and company want to be portraying, even if they could get, let's say, a third or a fourth-round pick, because that's all you're going to get. I mean, the idea of getting anything more than a third-round pick at this stage in the game for Akeem Nix, I think, would be asking a lot.
0: And the other team in New York is 4-3, and three, a game behind the Patriots after their controversial win on Sunday on a play that, according to the rule book, was the correct call. It's been shown now in other games that it wasn't called, and uh, it just seems like a weird time to decide to call that if it, if it happened earlier in the game, which apparently it did because I've seen replays that it did. Should that have been called on Sunday? Let's start there.
1: I hated the call, man. I really did. And listen, take nothing away from the Jets because in the second half they were down 11 points. I thought they thoroughly outplayed the Patriots in the second half of the football game. And, I mean, all in all, I thought the Jets did deserve to win the football game. But that was an awful call. I mean, I don't know what that rule is. I know that they just put it in place this year. I mean, I'm sitting there watching the football game on Sunday afternoon. And when I see the flag go up, I'm saying to myself, all right, maybe it's offside. Maybe it's a roughing the kicker. Maybe it's something to that extent. Then I watched the replay, and I said, what was the penalty? I said, because they called it on like conduct penalty, if I'm not mistaken. So I said, okay, what was the penalty? Can you show me what the penalty was? And give Gungel and Deardoff, who were on the, call, on the call for the game, they did a great job of breaking it down and really getting into the nitty-gritty and all the nooks and crannies, if you will, because it really did, when you think about it, you Neil, know, decide the game, because the Jets were very conservative there on that last set. Very conservative. They ran the ball right in. Three times. They lost yards, this and that. And Nick Folk settling for a 56-yarder. You missed that field goal. I mean, Tom Brady's getting the ball in midfield. And I don't think there's a person in New York or up i 95 up to Foxborough in Boston. Everybody in their mother thought Boston, uh, the Pats, if they get the ball back in midfield, they win in that football game. I mean, that's just all they're doing. They're going to win the game. So that play essentially did decide the game because Mick Falk's been so good from inside 50 yards, and sure enough, he goes out there and hits the field goal. Don't like the call, but taking up away from the Jets, finding a way to win a game that they really needed to have considering the next two at Cincinnati, home against New Orleans, very tough, very, very tough.
0: Now you have a rooting interest in the game, obviously not from a standpoint of being a Jets fan, not from a standpoint of you know other purposes like monetary purposes in the game, but being a Dolphins fan now, three losses in a row, that game you know gives the Jets a half-game edge on you, and now there's two games separating you and the Patriots, so what's happening to the Dolphins here, and do the Jets scare you?
1: Uh, I mean, well, I, do I look at the Jets and say to myself, are they going to make the playoffs? I still don't believe that they are. I mean, yeah, the defense, the front seven's done a really nice job, but They have been so consistently inconsistent right, throughout the course of this year. Good game, bad game. Good game, bad game. Good game, bad game. So if that's going to continue, I would expect an absolute dud from Geno Smith and the Jets going in to play that stout Cincinnati defense, that front four led by Geno Atkins. The Jets are talented. They're better than people probably thought entering the year. I mean, they're going to be competitive. They're going to win their fair share of games. I still don't think they'll be good enough to make the postseason – you now, as far as the Dolphins are concerned, let me tell you something. Sunday for me, I was at the ladies' abode, so I had the multiple TV setup going. I had the gents on the big screen. Dolphins had the Direct TV hookup on my computer. My emotional bug-out would have been probably about a thousand times worse if I was watching in the friendly confines of the Dostremsky man cave, if you will, because I had to be somewhat polite. I guess you could say you know I'm in the presence of others in somebody else's home. But, I mean, right, the Dolphin offensive line, Neil, I mean, it's just a downright disaster. And they go out and they bring in Bryant McKinney from Baltimore this week, so they hope that he'll help as far as the blind side for Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Ryan Tannehill only got sacked once last week against Buffalo. Obviously, was the big play. Mario Williams strip sack. They end up getting the field goal. Carpenter, of all people, ends up kicking the field goal. Dan freaking Carpenter. I mean, the guy who was on my team missing field goals against the Jets and the Cardinals a year ago. I mean, it's funny how it all comes full circle for me, but the point of the matter is the Dolphins at 3-3, and you're thinking at 3 out that this team is poised for a nice season, that they're going to be in the thick of things for the playoffs, and maybe they could go out there and take the next step. They lose their last three games, and to me the root of the problem is their offensive line because they are not protecting their young quarterback. He's on pace to get sacked more than any other quarterback in the history of the league, more than David Carr going back to his Houston days. That's a major problem. The Dolphins can fix their offensive line. They can be right where they need to be, right around 9-10 wins, get themselves in the postseason mix. But their next two games, Neil, at New England, then home on Halloween night on a Thursday night against Cincinnati, you better get one of those next two because you're looking at a five-game losing streak staring you right in the face. That's when your season can really start to unwind.
0: Well, I, I know what that, that feels like with a six-game losing streak to start the season, but as this off season goes here for the Yankees, we'll have to talk again. Hopefully, the next time we do, they've got McKinn, or they've got Belchon, or they've got Garza, they've got some reason to, to give you hope and renew that season ticket package in Section 203. Um, and it's oh, so- <laughs> dude, I
1: think, you know, I'm going to renew it, bro. I mean, I could talk a big game, and I know I'll do that from time to time when I'm getting fed up saying I'm not going to renew, and I'm not going to do this, but you know, they kind of had me by the you-know-what. Well, me. you, you, you
0: did say that if Swisher had had come back this year, you would have not renewed.
1: I did threaten that. Yes, I did. But, I mean, thankfully, I was not put in a situation where I would have had to have made that decision. Let's just put it that way. So... The Yankees listen, I, I get annoyed. I've been frustrations, but you know I'm going to be there two or three. I mean, you know that, Neil. I know that. So at least, uh, at least it's on record. And hopefully, we're looking at a much better product than what we did after summer. I mean, some of those, some of those lineup's are tough to take in the middle of summer. Tough to take.
0: All right, John. Thanks again for your time. And go Cardinals this week.
1: Yes, Neil. Pleasure, bro. Let's do it again soon. Good All stuff. Right.